The Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL Win Totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app to get last-minute tickets at the lowest prices guaranteed. Use promo code SGPN for $20 off. And we're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use promo code DEGEN, D-E-G-E-N. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they uh, just give $5 on any college football bet only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code DEGEN. DGENs assemble. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains. I am your host, Justin Bruni. Joining me, as always, is my co host and partner, Mr. Andrew, the TD King, Rob. And we have a very special guest this evening, Mr. Justin Herzig. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. How are we doing? Doing great. Doing great. Do, good to uh, see Andrew again. I think I just saw you, what, Friday last week, I think, in the middle of your 24 hours. So I'm glad that you survived and you look uh, like you look awake. You look rejuvenated. I love it. <laughs> and then, uh, Justin, good to see you as well. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, sir. Appreciate you coming on, talking some RB sleepers. Loved your uh, your segment with the boys on draft day. I appreciate another Justin banging the drum for you know the uh, overcalculation of Daniel Jones shares for our boss Ryan Kramer. Uh, it, it was good to have you know another person like you know you know bringing home the same narrative like yeah it's a bit much you know. Uh, also love that uh, I love the Moxie. That would be a, a great T-shirt. I love that line. <laughs> and uh it's it, funny because it's funny because daniel jones is my highest owned quarterback and like even today i did a little pod that, um that i went through like my exposures and on DraftKings too i was like yeah daniel jones still my highest but it's like 16 percent. like you pretty much need to switch sure. the numbers from 16 to 61 and you almost have what uh what, what his ownership was I, I think he got him down i think he got down to close to 50 didn't he andrew yeah i think he ended at like 49 or 50 but man hey, i'll tell you that's what solid. that's that, solid. the the, the the, the line is that a made up number went viral that was just so funny that's <laughs> incredible <laughs> no, i was uh, i was watching and driving so you know i was you know trying to be responsible but you know i can't take your uh, take your eyes away from draft day you know got, got in the mix on a few of those drafts it was good stuff uh justin what are you up to now for your best ball mania drafts how many total gosh a little over a thousand um i think probably around 1050 1100 or so i've still that's have for a- all underdog no, 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 no. Uh, DraftKings, some drafters as well. Basically trying to max out the drafters, that main one, uh, uh-huh. maxing out a couple of the DraftKings one, the best Romanian okay. underdog, and then uh-huh. did a whole bunch before the uh, really BBM kicked off with uh, the variety gotcha. of the kind of tournaments on underdog. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, today we are going to be talking running back sleepers. We're going to be tossing some names at, names at you. Agree, disagree, target, fade, hero villain perhaps uh first guy up here i know that me and andrew just been banging the drum for him mr james cook he's coming off the board as rb24 what are your thoughts about his situation for this upcoming season are you a buyer at his adp are you moving him up ahead of his adp what are your thoughts on him yeah so from a best ball landscape if you asked me a few weeks ago a month ago i'd say i was a buyer because then he was going in that kind of like mid 80s which was just after the tier drop of wide receivers and so that's a mm-hmm. spot that i love i news has been very positive we actually seem to getting some goal line work the question is is that because Damian Harris has been hurt what role is Latavius Murray actually going to play so at James Hook current ADP he scares me a little I think there's actually too much risk compared to what we're getting there's other running backs where he's being drafted that I prefer more uh so I think uh he's kind of jumped the shark he's turned into a villain for me he's gotten a little too expensive damn damn what do you think Andrew are you still uh, trying to give him in bulk 
Yeah, I mean, RB24, I, I'm not getting him at, in bulk anymore, per se, but I will still mm-hmm. throw him in. I know you and I have been on James Cook all off season long, you know, as Justin alluded to, back when you could get him back in the, the 30s, close to RB40s, like that, that was just a smash play back then. It has crept up, and I know this is a question I've asked, you know, multiple people who do best balls. Once, a, once an ADP creeps up for a player, are you still on them, or do you kind of fade the public at that point? Because you've mm-hmm. already gotten your exposure, you know, back when it was really good, and, and, you know, now essentially you're getting a bad number. And, you know, as gamblers, we hate getting a bad number, right? So it's, it's I think it really depends on your build. If I'm doing a, you know, a Bill's, stack i don't mind still taking james cook i'm taking less and less of him naked though um but i mean he's still a fine play i mean this is a guy that can make us all look really smart in the long run because i think that he has the sole backfield to himself i mean we Mm -hmm. see damian harris and latavius murray kind of getting some touches but you know the 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 last drive that they had together josh allen james cook he played all but one of the snaps with, with josh allen and got all the red zone carries so I mean, this is a guy that you don't want to fully fade, but I mean, if you've already got your exposure to him, you don't really need to go hot and heavy for him anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with that said, a redraft, I- I'm still going to be all over him. I mean, RB24, I feel like that's a floor play for him. Ceiling is an RB1, you know, this year. No, I, I still consider him in like the the hero category for sure. Someone that I'm still looking to target, but I want to get at a at ADP or after because again the market has ex, es, uh, escalated or accelerated his value. So someone that I still feel like in a lot of redraft lobbies I can get at value or maybe you know some of my friends or league mates aren't valuing as high as I am, and I feel like I can still you know get some value there. Uh, but I agree the 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 love I, I think he's up to ADP seventy six. That's RB24. He's being butt-ended by like Javante Williams and David Montgomery. And I also really want me some David Montgomery. So it's it's tough. Like if I'm in a situation where I have to pick between one or the other, and typically I'm leaning towards James Cook just because I'm seeing more potential like total opportunities and just touches, right? David Montgomery gonna split some work with Jameer Gibbs. Those two have been named like co-starters. So in that situation, I would still lean James Cook. But yeah, the days of getting him uh, you know, outstretched past like those like elite starting receivers. That, that's uh, that's gone for sure. And I also yeah. think that when you start off like wide receiver heavy, you get into a situation where you're getting like James Cook as your first running back. I think in redraft, you probably want him as your second or third. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I want to ask you, uh, what do you feel about the whole Josh Allen not running as much? Do you think that that's smoke? Do you think that he's just a gamer and he's that he is just going to do what he does? Uh, especially in the red zone. I mean, we see that he's one of those quarterbacks that will get design plays you know, rushing plays in the red zone. Like, how do you feel about Josh Allen's rushing ability this year? Yeah, and I think in that red zone area, Josh Allen's touchdowns, it's not so much like this is like Lamar Jalen Hurts where, hey, this is like a primary go-to function. A lot of the Josh Allen is, it's not a true scramble, but it's definitely more of like maybe an RPO where he has that ability, he has that option. And I think when, hey, pedal to the metal comes, when it comes game time, it's hard to say, hey, we don't want you running as much. So I think like, Maybe we don't do as many of those like, hey, we're actually going for first and goal from the five. We're going to use Josh Allen as our kind of fullback. But I do think like he's still going to be used around that end zone. He still is just going to be, uh, you know, a very, uh, a very, uh, what am I going to say? Um, able to move around the pocket and can very much get around in that, in that red zone area. So I do think like we're just going to see him be able to scramble and still kind of use his legs. And that is going to hurt mm-hmm. the other running backs. And I will say, I would not count out the Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, especially around that area. Latavius Murray, yes, he's, what, 32, 33 years old, but he has been a thorn in many of our other running backs across his career, and they brought him in for a reason. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, both backs who've had a lot of success around the goal line, getting more of that duty. Yep. Yeah, no, t- totally agree. Um, Again, James Cook, it's going to be hard to fade him. I mean, it's a – yeah. Very good offense. You know, we always talk about running backs on a great offense, you know, lead to fantasy points. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still be in on James Cook. Uh, Justin, before I go to my first guy up here, I do want to tell the good people about Game Time. Uh, game Time is GameTime.co, not to be confused with GameTime.com. Uh, you know, one of the best things about Game Time is I, I had used it a little bit ago uh, when we were going to a concert. Uh, you know, my, my wife's a country music uh, fan. So we, we went to a country music festival and, uh, you know, I, I went on game time and was searching around and they seem to have the best pricing. Uh, also, I've used other apps not to be named. 
and they're kind of stressful going through because you find a ticket and if you don't get it right away, it can be stolen. You know, somebody else can take it. Uh, also, there's like excess fees. Like you see a price and then you go through the whole process. And then at the very end, it's like $80 more because there's fees, service fees, you know, all this other good stuff. Game time do- doesn't really have that. They always have the best price. Uh, you know, buying tickets for your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is fast and easy uh, way to buy all your tickets, sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Uh, if you go through the game time app, uh, you know, to, to look at concerts or, you know, playoff games, regular season, NFL games, uh, they have a lot of like flash deals, last minute ticket deals, uh, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Game time is the place for last minute tickets deals. It is also the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Uh, game time guarantees uh, mean always get the best price. If you find tickets in your same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Uh, again, go to gametime.co, download the game time app, create an account, use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, first running back I want to hit on here, and I'm really intrigued to see what Herzig says here, but uh, Roshan Johnson, RB50 right now, uh, I believe has the best passing or pass blocking ability on the team. I think he can easily edge out Deontay Foreman. I think Herbert's the the, the kind of the, the stick in the mud in front of him that he's going to have to kind of pass through. But Herbert, you know, ha- has been injured before. Uh, I think we saw good usage with David Montgomery, but I'm not sure he can just be a lead back. Roshan Johnson, you know, a lot of people kind of was like, you know, well, what the hell did he do in college? Well, he sat behind Bijan Robinson first off. I mean, that you know, that's always a problem when you have Bijan Robinson, who was extremely good. So I don't think he really got his fair shot at showing people exactly what he can do. And he was still productive in college. I, I just think that the Bears have themselves a, uh, a you know, a, a thruple per se. And I just think Roshan Johnson is going to show that he's, he's the one that they're going to want on both early down and passing down work. I think he's going to keep himself on the field and, you know, make that, that easy transition into RB one status somewhere, you know, hopefully by, by, you know, week six, if you're drafting him, you kind of really would like him to get there by like week six, week seven. I really do feel like they could do that. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a few problems. One, obviously Jonathan Taylor's on the move now. So the Bears could potentially be a landing spot for Jonathan Taylor if they feel like giving up what Ursay wants for Jonathan Taylor. So that could put, you know, a, a kind of a pickle here. Two, the Bears didn't, you know, they rush a lot, but a lot of that production last year was Justin Fields. Again, didn't have Roshan Johnson. So I'm kind of hanging my hat on the Roshan Johnson ability here. But uh, Herzig, what say you on uh, the Bears running backs, uh, you know, especially Roshan Johnson? Yeah, so let's start off with the Jonathan Taylor situation. Um, I do not think this is something we need to be kind of concerned and hanging out. Like this is basically the spooky goblin that's going to, you know, hey, steal your running back that you've been drafting and their running share. Um, because a couple things here. One with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Colts are asking for a first round draft pick or equivalent capital. Jonathan Taylor wants more money. He wants an extended contract. He wants guaranteed. Uh, those two things are not happening. For you know, maybe we get budge, but we need budge where that first round needs to turn into a second or third round. Jonathan Taylor basically has to say, like, hey, I'll take a small amount more money and maybe I'm gonna value playing it for a contender. Uh, and then you combine it with like, hey, we just saw Dalvin as a free agent. Now, yes, Jonathan Taylor is a lot younger, a lot better right now in his career than Dalvin Cook, but there still weren't that many teams that even kicked the tires in Dalvin Cook, and that was substantially cheaper, didn't cost the actual draft capital. So, long story short, I do not expect a trade to happen. Um, still possible, obviously, but like we shouldn't be concerned about, oh, our Miami, our Chicago, our Minnesota. We don't want to draft those backfields because, okay, now we get to Roshan Johnson. Uh, for me with deep, you know, sleepers with late round running backs, what I'm really looking for is a few things. One is I want them to be on the field. I don't want this to be just a player that can only get there when there's an injury ahead of them. That's someone like, sure, Ty J Spears, great talent, but like his really only opportunity is if Derrick Henry, um, ends up getting hurt with Roshan. The key here is that third down and that, that and his pass blocking and the third down work. That was pass catching role because Khalil Herbert, he's averaged less than one. I think it's one target per game amongst his first two first two years. Deontay Foreman, not a pass catcher either. Like there is a clear opportunity for Roshan Johnson to be that pass catcher in this offense. Granted, it's Justin Fields. He's not throwing it that often, but you still have down and distance situations where you want to have that player on the field in case you want to have him run that route. Like it's still kind of a system a system thing. 
And then I want to see, especially with a rookie, what are the kind of training camp reports from the team? Not the media, not does he break out runs and such in games, um, but like what are the actual coaches kind of saying about him? And it's all about first. It's all about their trust in him. And like those are the things I love to see. So Roshan is without a doubt one of my late round targets where similar to like you, I think like, hey, he starts off finding his way on third downs in a pass catching role. And uh, he may just be the best running back on the team. Now, there is a challenge that both the other four men, including Herbert, are very good runners. And uh, from a pure rushing standpoint. So it's hard for me to think that like Roshan really has full workhorse breakout potential without an injury there. But you take one injury there and you take him, give him 40% of the rushes plus kind of the reception, the pass down work. That's an amazing value and uh, probably has like RB2 upside. You just made Andrew a very, very happy man. He's going <laughs> to yeah. go to sleep tonight with the biggest <laughs> smile on his face. When you said best running back in the Bears backfield, like if you just saw the little glimmer in his eye, like he's he's you know going to go to bed. Shit well I take tonight. I take just daily shit about loving Roshan Johnson. That's right, Sean Green. Eat that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I know. I don't give you shit. Fantasy I'm Twitter a, does. How do you? Like I'm Roshan a Bears Johnson? fan. He's not even established. Uh, well, I'm a Bears not, fan, so <laughs> I'm very excited about him. Very excited. I think his biggest upside is actually the blocking. You had mentioned the pass catching role. I feel that like he's actually going to be on the field for third, uh, third downs, excuse me, because of how good he blocks and just because they need it. <laughs> like the offensive line is still rebuilding. Justin Fields couldn't get to two Mississippi last season without having to run for his life or just be on his back. So I think that he does have a lot of upside, upside to get on the field. But again, I agree with Herzig. You're going to need an injury to get like really elite, you know, return on your investment, like to have like a really solid role in that offense. Because I could see Herbert and Foreman, you know, taking away a lot of touchdown opportunities. Because once you get down to the red zone, you won't need that pass catching ability as much. But I did like what I saw out of him in the preseason. He looked good, you know, running through the tackles. I think he he does actually kind of lack a bit of a burst and like long speed. But once he gets through the hole, he's he's pretty solid. So I think he's a, a great work in progress, we'll say. Great work in progress. Someone that I would really like to get on my best ball teams, maybe not so much my redraft leagues, because I do believe in like 18 team leagues, he's probably going to be a waiver wire darling. Like I don't see too many, you know, owners or whatever managers taking a shot on him in that in that perspective. But in best ball, I think he's an absolute steal at that RB50 ranking. So, so my 32% of them in best ball is, is, is that a, as egregious as a 58% Dan Jones? It's a bit more of a real number. Uh, I don't <laughs> like that more than 25%, but hey, if you're going to go for a player, I think he's the kind of archetype that uh, I'm looking for. And hey, one other thing, Bears fan there, but uh, Chicago wants to run the ball. They yep. want to run it well. They've got that imp- you know, improving offensive line as well, and it is better run blocking than pass blocking team. So like, if they have their way, Justin Fields is not throwing more than, what, 15, 18 times a game, and they're running at 30-plus. And uh, so there is a way where even if he only gets 40% of the rushes plus the pass-down work, like that's still a very valuable fantasy role. All right, my next guy up here is Rashad White, not that far off at running back 29. What are your thoughts on this Tampa Bay backfield this year? I like the idea of targeting White in the situation where this team is going to be either playing from behind or in closer scoring games if their defense really shows up, and it's going to pull vault him to a lot of PPR value. So if you're in like half-point PPR or PPR, my thoughts are that he's going to be you know rock solid at this ADP and definitely finish ahead of this you know RB29 ranking. What, what are your thoughts here? Rashad White scares me. Scares okay. me a lot. Um, he's a fourth round running back, so we already have some draft capital kind of you know concern. I believe our the things we like about him, the reason why he's drafted where he is from a positive standpoint, is because he's only competing against Keyshawn Vaughn and Sean Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, who's the other? Is it uh, Old Cardinal? Um, Chase Edmonds. It, yeah, there you go, Chase Edmonds, Cardinal, Miami. Um, but, uh, like it, it, it's tough, um, from a Rashad though. And then we look at like the pass catching work. Yes. We know he caught a ton of passes and yes, he split that with Leonard Fort last year, but that was also with Tom Brady and Tom Brady was also throwing it. Was it 500, 600 times per season? So like, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking this is a completely different offense. This is a team. Yes. You have Baker Mayfield back there. They may win how many games, four or five games. Like I believe that Rashad White is probably a decent floor play, assuming he can keep the job, which I believe he does. Um, But 
I think there's just substantially a lack of upside with just such a bad offense. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked like if, hey, you know, it's just such a bad offense, you end up seeing more usage out of those other backs. Maybe Sean Tucker actually, hey, if he's healthy, he had a draft profile that he should have been like a fifth round draft pick, but the injury is what kept him from getting drafted. Um, so for me, when I'm looking for running backs in this area, because again, Rashad White, he's probably not that far off from when we were talking about um, James Cook or David Montgomery or Isaiah Pacheco, like those guys, I like the offenses that they are all in and they provide me with more contingency upside where I can see a place where his role increases, whatever it is, but like I bet on that offense and touchdowns. And for me, I just don't see Tampa being even a near competent team this year. I wouldn't be shocked if they're basically in the tank for Caleb's standpoint. And, uh, you know, hey, I get James Conner last year with the horrible Cardinals was still finishing as a top 10 PPR running back. So, like, there is a way to be a good fantasy player on a bad team, but it's a rarity and it's not something I'm really trying to build around. So, for me, I think Rashad White's one of my uh, least owned players this year. What say you, Andrew? I only I just checked. I have five percent exposure to him, so I'm I'm also kind of staying away. I have taken him on some Tampa Bay builds, uh, you know, week mm-hmm. seventeen correlation builds. It, it, I I liked him a ton last year uh, because I could get him way late, and it was a guy that I thought could have a good passing down role for the Bucks, especially with Tom Brady there. We know what mm-hmm. Tom Brady can do, you know, just all, all that good stuff. Uh, this year, it's just it's different for me. I think the team's going to be behind, which should give him usage. But how well, you know, how many high value touches is he truly going to see throughout the year? That's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on fading him here is I, I don't think the value touches are going to be there. He might have opportunities, but a lot of that will probably be in between the 20s. And then they're going to go third and out or, you know, three and out a lot. I'm assuming I don't think that the Bucks this year are Seattle of last year where everyone's kind of fading them and then they surprise everybody. I think they are who we think they are, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they just named Baker Mayfield their starting quarterback. Name me the, the last time Baker Mayfield was truly good for fantasy players. That would have been, what, with the Browns when he had Jarvis Landry and OBJ. And it's just – I just don't think it's going to work out for Rashad White in the offense this year. I think he'll be a buy next year again, you know, because ADP is going to drop and then he might get back in it too. But – I mean, this year I'm just staying away. Um, it's going to be far a few in between when I finish up my the rest of my best ball drafts that I take him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with that said, he he is a good running back. I, I do like him a lot. Again, I just worry about the high value touches. And that's just there's other guys that go around in his range, you know, running backs and wide receivers that I'd much prefer to have that I think just have a higher ceiling case. And I mean, if you're trying to win three million dollars, you want guys that have a high ceiling case. Rashad White's just not it. Yeah, I, like I said, I like where he's going per the role that he should have. If that's going to change up drastically, then you know I'm definitely going to be in the wrong here. But I keep him in the hero column just because he's going to have probably the most touches of the running backs in that group. Sean Tucker hasn't really been that impressive. Keyshawn Vaughn, I mean, he looks closer to a cut candidate than competition, you know, more than anything. I have Rashad White at 8.6%. He had, what is it, 50 receptions last year. I have to imagine he can still go over the top of that. While he wasn't you know, the lead guy last year, Fournette was an RB12. He's still not even on a team yet, and that was backed by all the PPR um, action that he got. I think he had like 70-plus catches. So they still target the RB position a lot. I know it was Tom Brady. I know it's a different offense. But when you have a quarterback that can't deliver the ball downfield with efficiency at high volume, like a Tom Brady, where's the ball going to go? shorter a dot right you know k dot and some rashad white probably even some of these other running backs but i just like the situation just based on the fact that i know that he's the best guy of that group and he's going to lead the touches and opportunities at least in my opinion so two villains and a hero no no big deal andrew who's your next guy uh so next guy up and before i do that do want to remind everyone about underdog fantasy they are presenting sponsor for the sgpn fantasy football podcast underdog fantasy august is almost over and you know what that means time is running out for you to draft your fantasy football team on underdog fantasy get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy all you do is one live snake draft no waivers no trades you set it forget it and underdog does the rest try it out with underdog's best ball mania tournament the largest fantasy football contest of all time with 15 million dollars of total prizes up for grabs including an absurd three million dollars going to the winner do you have what it takes to win it all the time is now the last day to draft your fantasy football team is september 7th 
Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code SGPN to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. Uh, Justin, uh, do you got any uh, underdog pick'em locks that that you like that you want to give the people by any chance? Oof. Um... Gosh, I that reminds me. I got to start looking into week one. We are so close. We're only two weeks, two <laughs> so days close. away, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm I, can, I don't have anything right now. I'll we got you. so I'll much information that's still kind of hanging out. It's yeah. basketball season, but uh, I'll be well, doing some pick on when we start going. What do you Bruno, think about you opening? Something? Yeah, I was going to ask him what he thinks about opening night. So opening night, you got Mahomes uh, over three hundred, over under 300, 301 passing yards, or Jared Goff over under two hundred fifty four passing yards usually earlier in the year you want to kind of go over we trust the offenses are kind of a bit more clicking than the defenses um so if anything um is that in detroit or in uh kansas city i think it's in De- detroit but Mah- they won the super bowl so i don't they probably yeah, have it in kansas I, city yeah so i think it's in kc let me uh, yeah well if you win the super bowl they typically give you that uh that nod I'd probably go with the over for Goff if I had to kind of lean one, um, playing mm-hmm. from behind. Uh, I mean, but we're still looking at like, I mean, no Jamison Williams out there. So if they're throwing, uh, maybe as well just take Amon Ra with his over because his over is probably something yeah. like 85 or something. It is in KC. Yeah, it is in KC, by the way. I'll take the Amon Ra over there because uh, if he's okay. throwing for 254 or whatever that is, I mean, Laporta? I don't know. Like, Ooh, I like Porta, but right like there. week one, yeah. Who's who's catching all those? Josh Reynolds? Two picks right there. There you go. Uh, what was another one? Pacheco was at 58 rushing yards. Kelsey was at 78. So there, there's a few numbers out. There's a few. I'll take the under 78 Kelsey rushing yards. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that would be helpful. All right. Uh, Andrew, who's your next guy up? So next I up, uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, currently mm-hmm. going off the board as running back 35. Uh, bowl case here, uh, he takes all the goal line work, is a better third down pass catcher than Ken Walker. Um, I, I think that that's his best case without an injury. Walker's probably – the way I look at this backfield is Walker's going to take a lot of stuff in between the 20s. And he does have, you know, uh, some explosive run uh, potential. So maybe he takes some to the house and that kind of takes away from Zach Charbonnet. But I mean, if you look at what Zach Charbonnet did well in college and how his body frame is, he, he's a bruiser, right? He, he's a guy that wants to lay the wood. And I think that Pete Carroll's going to like that in the red zone. Uh, obviously, he did have the, the kind of, you know, the shoulder issue there, but it looks like that's all cleared up. That was kind of, you know, a little bit of Pete Carroll smoke that, that we always see every year. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about that anymore. Uh, obviously, talked to our uh, SGPN football doc, Sebastian Fearon, about that. And uh, he kind of eased my mind, too, a little bit about, you know, the shoulder issue. So that's, you know, all set sail here for Zach Charbonnet, I believe. It, it's, again, his bowl case is, I think he's going to score a, a decent amount of touchdowns in the red zone. And I think it's not going to take too long for Pete Carroll to truly realize that he probably has better hands than Ken Walker does. Um, I don't know. This is like a tandem that I can see both of them performing well. I don't think it has to be one or the other. You know, I, I when I put out any Zach Charbonnet eight tweets, people were like, well, you know, what about Ken Walker? Ken Walker's amazing. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, I, I don't think it has to be one or the other. We've seen what the Saints have done before with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Like, we, it, this isn't the first time that we could see both running backs outperform ADP, um, you know, and it just – I, I think that, again, the, the case for Charbonnet without injury is touchdowns, third down work, and the ability to show that maybe he gets a little bit of work between the 20s without really overstepping Ken Walker. Uh, Herzog, am I crazy here, or does Charbonnet have some you know standalone value? All right. Now you're talking my language. Now we've got to a player that uh, is an absolute kind of target where he is going to be on the field. From basically day one, he's going to have a role. We don't know what that role is, and I think that's okay. And I think our lack of clarity on what the role is between him and Kenneth Walker is only a positive at where he's being drafted because it could be the pass catching because he has that in his skill set. It could be the goal line work because he has that in his skill set. If we're trying to just do a skill set breakdown, like Kenneth Walker is probably the more explosive rusher between the 20s, and then we could see a role where Charbonnet gets the high-value touches. But this also could just be a hey one um you know one series it's Kenneth Walker one series it's Charbonnet again 
that's a great value for Charbonnet if you're getting that. This Seattle team is going to have a very strong offense, even though JSN went down now, only be maybe a week or two or something, but maybe that actually leans on the run a little more here. Uh, also, don't forget, they get four games, two games against Arizona, two games against the Rams. Those are two of the wor- worst teams that you can imagine. They're probably going to be touchdown plus favorites in both of those. That means a lot of rushing. Um, but And most importantly, again, that contingency upside, like this is all assuming Kenneth Walker is healthy. If Kenneth Walker goes down, Charbonnet immediately boosts into probably a top 10, maybe even top seven running back potential there. Uh, absolutely love Charbonnet from a standalone as well as contingency value, uh, drafting a bunch of him. You know, I can yeah, get used good. to a, a best ball mania winner liking all the picks that I throw out. This is good. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this podcast so far. <laughs> In a good situation with a good offense, I like the opportunity there. And, I mean, he's absolutely free going at his ADP. Andrew, what did you say it was, uh, RB50? Sarbanet's uh, uh, RB35. Roshan was 50. Oh, RB35. Oh, Bo- both, both tremendous values, though. You can say it. And, and I think what's important there when we're talking about, like, value. And so, I mean, I think it's helpful, like, hey, to use this RB35 versus RB38 and such because we want to compare from a running back. But the drafters mm-hmm. should be thinking about it less of comparing a running back to a running back and where of comparing that running back to what else is available at that part of the draft. Because where Charbonnet is going, I think an underdog is ADP is like 103 right now. That is mm-hmm. after there's a major teardrop of wide receivers. So, okay, we shouldn't be drafting wide receivers in that area quarterbacks you could be looking at quarterbacks but if you already have your elite one if it's not a stack option okay then we're not looking at quarterbacks tight ends in that area you've got like i don't know you're just after ingram you're looking at frymuth looking at njoku those are guys that i'm not really drafting that much of frymuth i like but the rest for the most part not drafting that much because i want to go either elite or go late so it's like a pocket of the draft where i really want to be focusing on running backs because i also think these running backs have that level of um expected plus contingency upside and so he fits so well there that's an area of the draft where i mean and around him we talk brian robinson antonio gibson charbonnet aj Dillon, all these guys that kind of fit that same profile of we know they're going to have a standalone role but one one thing can go the right way and they actually have very strong upside and charbonnet is the poster child for that yeah, hundred percent agree uh speaking of uh that that range i have isaiah pacheco at rb30 uh, a, a part of one of the best offense in the league, playing alongside Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Good situation, but it seems like you know we still could see a pulse for some of these other guys, maybe Prince, maybe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. What are your thoughts on Pacheco this season? He's now cleared for contact, so he's back. He's going to be you know wheels up for week one. There's no issues there, no injury concerns. What are your thoughts about him for this upcoming season? Because I feel like the market is a little bit lower on him than what we would, you know, what we would have thought about like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, his rookie season, you know, going as like RB12, you know, seeing how well Pacheco played down the stretch last year, but yet he's still parked at RB30 or, or beyond. So I'll start with the two negatives for Isaiah Pacheco. The first one is he's not going to catch that many passes and he's probably going to be taken mm-hmm. off the field for third down. Um, mm-hmm. They have McKinnon. As long as McKinnon stays healthy, we've seen that last year. We've seen that already in the preseason this year. Like, it's pretty clear Isaiah Pacheco is not going to grow his role into a three-down pass catching back. So that's hit number one. Hit number two is there still is CEH. There's this generic Prince kid. So, like, there are still players that could threaten Pacheco's role. That said, I think Pacheco has the greatest line of sight to it, already has the job and should keep it. But I at least want to bring those two things up. Now, the positives... One is, when I'm just looking at from a pure projection standpoint, he is right now about a round, round and a half value just because of people letting him drop because of the injury. Turns out he's looking good. He's going to be back. He's already back in practice. He's probably going to be ready for week one without many limitations, but he's dropped a round and a half, round and a half, almost two, because people just see that Q tag and they've been a little concerned. Is he going to be there for week one? Is CEH actually going to, you know, going to be spelling him, going to take actually a little more of that work. So Mm. I like the value. And then we think from an upside standpoint, a running back here that's attached to a Patrick Mahomes offense, like even if you're not getting the pass down work, you could still have a boom, 14, 15, 16 touchdown season just because of how efficient and high powered that offense is. Yes, Mahomes, obviously because of his talent, is able to kind of pass a little more around the end zone. Um, But have a couple of those one yard lines. As long as he's getting the goal line work, which I fully expect, I think he is going to be the primary running back there. Um, Mm. I like him. I wouldn't say I am like, oh my God, I need to be drafting a ton of him, but I am overweight on him. And the time to draft him is now 
because now I think is where you have the kind of he's healthy. He's not going to fall anymore. He'll probably actually start rising in ADP. So start mm -hmm. taking him now. Yeah, a hundred percent agree with that. That's what I was gonna. That was gonna be right out my mouth. Mouth next was just he's gonna go up. the The closer we get to kickoff, closer we get to like Labor Day when a lot of drafts are going on, especially in your redraft league, people are gonna be all over him. So definitely someone you want to target now if you're getting in some drafts like this upcoming weekend. A couple of weeks still out till kickoff. Are there any receivers, not including Travis Kelsey, any receivers on this roster that you would actually rather have over him? Because it feels like the pecking order has him potentially like right behind Travis Kelsey. Yeah. So wait, so pecking order is in for receptions or just total volume in, in the yeah. offense. Yeah. Uh, so here's my theory on Kansas City. I'm going to take us back a year when we're going into last year draft season. You had Juju Smith-Schuster was being drafted kind of in around a fifth round or something. And I mm -hmm. was guns blazing i was drafted a ton of juju smith schuster my thesis was hey number one wide receiver we've seen it from him in the past actual success levels being attached to patrick mahomes like this is just a great play now yes he had probably a three game stretch in there amongst his injuries where he actually did look really good but overall it was a miss however patrick mahomes and that offense were still very efficient they were clicking and they won the super bowl and they did it all through travis kelsey and i think the takeaway from that year is that you don't actually need to have, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't actually need this alpha wide receiver to emerge to have the mm -hmm. type of offense that he wants to have. And so I was wrong that year. This year, I've taken that learning and I've kind of said, okay, I'm not going to fall into the trap again. Because I think too often right now, people are saying, oh, it's got to be Sky Moore. It's got to be Katarius Tony. Like, I need to find that wide receiver who is going to hit in a Patrick Mahomes style offense. But I think the truth is, is that, yes, one of those could but I think the more likely scenario, assuming Travis Kelsey stays healthy, is that none of them really emerge and it's just kind of spread around. And maybe for best ball, that's okay because on a one-week sample, you could still have that MVS game where we had the 10-plus receptions, huge game. Mm -hmm. But for the most part across the season, like I don't feel like I have to go and try to get, figure out who that right Kansas City wide receiver is. If you want Mahomes, you can take Mahomes. If you can stack him with Kelsey, obviously awesome. You can get bits and pieces, but I don't think like – oh, we need to figure out who that alpha wide receiver is. Anything to yeah. add, Andrew? Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with that, you know, his sentiment on, I think it's going to be spread around. I don't think that we need to find out which guy is going to be the, you know, the the dog, you know, it, that's Kelsey. So I think it's, I, I'm always leaving a draft with almost one of those wide receivers. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to be a stack for me either. Just want to take mm -hmm. one of them. I mean, why not? Uh, a lot of take them are shot. free including MBS. I think that he's one of the guys who has a design designated role in the offense as well. So yeah, I mm -hmm. completely agree with that. Uh, the only thing I'll say about Pacheco is that this is a guy I want to draft because of uh, how he looked running the ball last year. He ran the ball hard and he looked like he was having fun doing it. That's a guy I want on my team. You can tell he has the dog inside him. Unlike Michael Thomas, who was Charmin soft on the inside. Pacheco is not, I mean, I, that's one thing I truly, honestly, probably value more than the average bear is that I, I really want a guy that looks like he's having fun playing ball and runs hard. That is Pacheco. So, you know, last thought on him is he's a dog. Uh, <laughs> um, on to the next one. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, before we do, do want to tell the good people about new sponsor, DraftKings. Intro, uh, you're waiting all year and the time has finally arrived. College football is back and so are the traditions, the tailgates, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Uh, kick off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use code DGEN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when, you, when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code DGEN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Race, all games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help, uh, help is available for problem calling 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms on sportsbook.com. 
www.draftkings.com slash football terms. Also want to tell the people about SGP Patreon. Make sure you check out our Patreon. Sign up for Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL win total contest with a $1,000 first place prize. The guys just recorded their first sports gambling podcast, Stories Podcast, just for Patreons, chronicling the birth of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. There's even a Discord channel for just Patreons. Sports Gambling Podcast has and always will give out all their picks for free. The Patreon is just a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate corporate gambling. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Okay, party on, Andrew. Party on, Herzig. Let's ride. All right, who is your next uh, <laughs> next candidate up here, Mr. Rob? Uh, let's go with a guy that is sitting in another thruple of a uh, backfield, and I don't mind taking him as the last guy going off the boards, or at least he was. Not sure if he still is anymore, and that is Mr. Kenny G, as in Gainwell, not Galladay, thank God. Uh, Kenny Gainwell is uh, <laughs> is the guy I was, I, I was getting a ton of exposure to in the beginning of the year. He was going free. I mean, my God, this man was like the only person on the team last year that really came back and and was going to do something. They have DeAndre Swift. Uh, I I don't really see him doing a ton. He's shifty. He's fun, but he's expensive. Not really the guy I want to go for. Uh, Also, Rashad Penny uh, can't stay healthy for more than a few games. Usually, if he can, I do think he's a very interesting pick as well. But I'm going to go with the man who's been on the team. Uh, has now taken a lot of first uh, team reps, was used around the goal line. And for some reason, they used him when they got that safety called on him. Like, what the hell are you doing back there? I mean, that it was just a bad play call overall. I'm not going to hold that against him. But Kenny Gainwell currently going as RB48 on a team that likes to run the ball, did it very efficiently uh, last year as well. Now, again, that did come on the legs of Jalen Hurts mostly. But, I mean, Miles Sanders proved that a running back can be sustained in this offense, uh, you know, with them even – uh, having great passing, uh, you know, opportunities and, and passing stats as well. So again, a guy that is all but going free in drafts, moving up the board now. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Herzig, is he still the last one going? Is he behind Penny still? Yeah, substantially still. Uh, yeah. Penny's kind of in that kind of 123 range, and then Gainwell's like 150 mm-hmm. or so, depending on the site. Uh, for me, with Kenneth Gainwell, I've two x exposure, up to 15 percent on him. Majority of my exposure is when he was being drafted around like 170, 175. He was just an auto click. There was just no reason not to uh, because, hey, you're getting the cheapest piece. And I'm saying very cheap piece of a you know high powered Philly offense that does like to run the ball. Uh, I will say from a uh, redraft standpoint, he is not someone that you're really going to get excited about because I don't believe that the Eagles are truly ever going to have like a workhorse type. Um, and you already have like a crowded backfield with DeAndre Swift, Elijah Penny, Kenneth Gainwell. Don't forget Boston Scott's still there as well. Um, I'm not really thinking much about Trey Sermon, uh, but you still have a very crowded backfield. And I think like this is a smart team, highly analytical team. They're going to kind of split the workload and continue to kind of, uh, you know, not use just that clear workhorse. So it's going to be hard to trust when you use them, when you don't for best ball because of how cheap he is because he's attached to the Eagles where you could very much see a two touchdown game with a couple receptions and stuff. I do still like him. Um, but I think, Hey, for those who are doing it just from a redraft standpoint, he's probably going to be too frustrating. And I don't think you're ever going to have like, for example, if you draft, um, I don't know. We talked about Roshan a little, let me think of someone else. Ty J Spears is an example back there where like, if you draft Ty J Spear, you at least know that, Hey, if Derrick Henry goes down, I want to use Ty J Spears with a guy like Kenneth Gainwell, you probably would need like multiple injuries to the running backs back there to really feel like he's the guy. Yeah. A thousand percent agree with that. And in a redraft standpoint, I just don't see him being drafted with, with uh, like a standard, like 18 team league in deeper formats, like 22, 24 roster spots. I think it's more um, uh, adequate. I, I think he could fit the mold for that type of league or that type of format. But playing behind, you know, Swift, Penny, even if he's at the top, like those guys are just going to come in and nag his value. And man, I mean, I'm not a Trey Sermon guy, but it looks like he's going to make the roster. I think it's kind of a coin flip between him and Boston Scott. If anything, we might see Boston Scott get cut. But if they decide to carry all five of those guys, it's going to be a big problem to solve every single week. You're not going to know when to put them in, keep them out. 
great best ball target. What round do you say he was going in now? Still uh, or in the 150s now? Yeah, about 13th, 14th round right now, depending on the site. Yeah. That's still a lot more expensive than round 16, 17, where he's going for most of the offseason. So, you know, nice if you're able to get the value then. Probably don't want to divulge too much into his ownership rate at this point. Um, my next one is a two-part, two-part evaluation here. We're looking at the Washington Commandos backfield. We've got Brian Robinson, RB36. We've got uh, Antonio Gibson, RB33. Do you have a preference on the two? Is there any situations where you kind of get, eh, screw it, I'll, I'll take both guys? What are your thoughts here on this backfield? Yeah, so I like them both. I'm overall making a bet on Eric Bieniemy, kind of turning this offense into a bit more of a just kind of creative, efficient offense. Sam Howell has looked great in the preseason thus far. Um, I'm bullish on this team overall, and I think like this isn't going to be like for Sam Howell to have success. He's not going to be throwing like Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be kind of playing more of that on a San Francisco with just hey, a lot of motion, efficient on the ground, and I think Gibson and Robinson can both have a solid role. What's been most interesting in the offseason so far, the preseason games, is that both of them have kind of split the carries and split the targets. And uh, so I think this is actually both news for, you know, good news for both of them because from a Brian Robinson standpoint, in college he caught some passes, but he didn't catch much that first year. But if he's actually getting, hey, some of these more drop-offs, he's not going to be in as much on third downs, but even just getting those drop-offs, um, you know, that's actually going to say like, hey, he's got increased stand increased value standalone when Brian uh, when both of them are healthy, but giving an injury, maybe he can actually be a workhorse that's actually a pass catching back as well. And then on the other side of things, um, so that was the Ryan Robinson one. When we think on the other side, normally we're only thinking of him as just that pass catcher, almost like in the McKissick role. But if he's actually getting in the workload, maybe he gets 40% of the rushes. Um, that'd be fantastic as well. And again, there's substantial contingency upside where I th if one of them gets hurt, I think the other one can actually have um, trying to think what I'd probably rank them probably like a top 15 or so back. Um, mm -hmm. if only one of them is kind of out there because behind those two, I mean, what you've got sixth round rookie. I think he was Chris Rodriguez, sixth, seventh round. Um, like not really too much risk there. So I think these two are the guys and they can both kind of, they're both startable in a flex spot for redraft each week. And if one goes down or one kind of beats out the other, um, Hey, that's uh, that's that's huge. Love it, love it. I I don't know if you made Andrew more excited with that take or the Roshan Johnson take. It's very hard to decipher the difference between the two. But he he had a look on his face again, just like man, he is going to bed happy tonight. Uh, Andrew, anything to add on to your boys? Yeah, um, I mean, if you look at the preseason usage, they're about as split as physically possible. I think Antonio Gibson has one more route run than Brian Robinson, which is to be expected. Um, another backfield that in best ball, I don't mind taking both of them. Uh, mm -hmm. And in redraft, I think it's a viable play to take a shot on on one of them for sure. I don't. You know, early in the season, it was all Brian Robinson for me. Uh, he's just the, the he's going to be more of the goal line back when they're really, you know, within like the five yard line. I mean, he has the body to take the beating to go inside. And for the people who don't remember, uh, Antonio Gibson has a problem with holding on to the ball. I don't think I know Ron Rivera don't like that. I I find it hard to believe Eric Bieniemy is going to be soft on him as well, right? Like he, he's a he's a coach that's hard on players. We so we already saw the reports coming out of camp that people were complaining about how hard he actually is on players. And I mean, if you want to win games, you need somebody coming down on your ass all the time. And and that you know that's what EB's been doing. So Antonio Gibson, I think, has a shorter leash than Brian Robinson, but what he does well, Eric Bieniemy can really bolster uh, his opportunities. You know. Uh, and people have asked me this question before on a couple different podcasts. You know, how do I see the the commanders, uh, you know, skill players kind of position themselves in this offense? And I said, I think Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson eat into each other's work with Gibson kind of having more of a dominant role over Curtis Samuel. I mean, they both do both things well. They both can catch the ball with Antonio Gibson being a converted wide receiver. And also Curtis Samuel goes in the backfield and runs the ball. So I think they eat into each other's work. But I do think Gibson has the leg up on, on Samuel. I think Samuel's just – he's slowly declining every year now. Um, but, I mean, yeah, again, I, I love Justin's take on both these guys, and I fully agree. You want to take a shot on one of these guys because they're in an offense that is uh, on the uprise. You know, people were making fun of me at the Fantasy Football Expo with my take on Sam Howe potentially being a quarterback one at the end of the year on a per-game basis. And watch out now, kids, but, uh, you know, don't – 
just keep sleeping on Sam Howe. He's out there just dinking, diving, driving, you know, threading the needle, as we saw last night, breaking the Ravens' 24-streak record. Love to see it. Let's go, Commanders. Oh, man. The the hype for the preseason dub. I I knew there was going to be a ref- at least one reference tonight. I knew there was going to be at least one. I told you, the curse has been lifted. Dan Snyder was booted out the door, and, and all things are coming together now, baby. So watch out. There I you mean, go. There you go. All, all I can remember is the Detroit Lions went 4-0 preseason and then went 0-16 in the regular season. So <laughs> Come uh, on, man. <laughs> that, I mean, anytime someone tries to celebrate preseason, like you just got to throw that in their face. And uh, oof, it's, uh, it doesn't look good. Typically, the teams that do really well make it to the Super Bowl, make playoff runs. They don't care about preseason. Look at the look at the Eagles. They they barely even trying. They're to- now can't gain well for as many snaps as they can. It's been a rough ride as Commanders, Washington football team, Redskins fan. So so let me have these little these little wins. All right. <laughs> uh, we've got Gary Van Dyke, our IDP manager, in the chat asking. He's on the clock. Uh, good conversation for these uh, these candidates here. P Ryan Penny or one of the Miami running backs. I really like Wilson a lot here, but in this spot, I would probably say Samaj P. Ryan, uh, another sleeper that's going to have great standalone value this year, playing alongside Javante Williams. He's coming back from injury, obviously a pretty bad one, uh, ACL and MCL tear. Uh, even if Javante Williams plays a full healthy season, still love P. Ryan's standalone value here. We just got done kind of talking Penny, how he's middled in that backfield. Again, I really like Wilson, but I feel like you could get both P. Ryan and Wilson. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that specifically, P. Ryan. Um, I think he's the type of back that I've been talking about where it has that standalone value, but then upside as well. Um, and yes, like the report on Javante Williams have been positive. We expect him to kind of come back earlier than before. What happens when he's back, we're still not sure. But the truth here is, in my mind, that Samaji P. Ryan still has a standalone role. Um, I mean, hey, Sean Payton directly told him, you come here, you've seen how I use my running backs in the past. You saw how I use Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Like I want, I have a clear role, you know, ready for you. And uh, if there is a re-injury, if the, uh, if it takes the recoveries a little slower for Javante, like there's a lot mm-hmm. of early value as well for the P Ryan standpoint. If you want to make an argument for Penny, Penny definitely has more upside. I get that, but I would definitely take one of those two over the Miami running backs. Make a three for three. I'll take P. Ryan as well. Uh, but if I had to choose one right behind him, I would actually take Mostert. Uh, I, I Again, A-Chain just has that entry. Um, not sure, you know, what's all going to happen with that. Could be a slow recovery process. Could be a speedy recovery process. Uh, the, the reason I wouldn't really go Mostert here, though, is, again, Miami already came out and said that they are going to do their due diligence on Jonathan Taylor. So he could be a candidate that goes there. They've been sniffing around and all the running backs as well. But uh, for the time being, uh, yeah, let, let's keep it three for three on P-Rod. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Andrew, who is your last uh, running back sleeper candidate? Uh, I know you had mentioned uh, this gentleman to me as well, and it's somebody who's been a preseason darling for everybody, and that is Jalen Warren. RB42, watch out Najee Truthers, because Jalen Warren seems to be like uh, you know a guy that has a lot of burst and speed and might take a couple of these uh, games and – just blast Najee in the face with these explosive runs. Jalen, uh, and again, I'm going to preface this with I like Najee a lot. I uh, have a decent exposure to Najee, but I do see that Jalen Warren's a guy that brings a, a little gumption to the offense, right? When he's in there, he's blasting people in the face. He's running fast. He's running hard. And I love to see that. With that said, though, Najee does put some people's face in the ground. That's just not something that Jalen Warren's really going to do. He'll run by you, but I, I don't see him pushing your face into the ground like, like Najee can. I also think Najee has the goal line work pretty locked up for the most part. He's the guy that you want to give the ball to, you know, with when you're within the 5, 10, 15, you know, yard line. So without an injury, I'm not sure Jalen Warren can really blast off, but I do think he'll have a couple of spike weeks. He's very interesting for best ball due to that fact redraft I'm, I'm a little bit more tempered on him you know but i i still think he's a good pick uh i just i think that this team's offensive line is improved both these guys can uh do well at their current adps um yeah i mean i just i, I love both running backs so so Najee truthers it's all right you know you you can still love Najee, but you can also like jalen warren as well all right that's a lot there um there's a couple of good things going for jalen warren one is he does have a clear role. We saw it last year. We're expecting to see it this year. 
third downs, and occasionally getting some of the first or second from Najee. Uh, mm. Second good thing, he's a better player than Jaylen, than Najee Harris. And uh, oh, maybe that's a hot take, And uh, but I, I believe that. I think that he actually has shown, and I think the, the next-gen stats have shown that like Jalen Warren is just an overall better player, uh, more explosive, definitely better in open space. And uh, so, like, he has a role. I think he's the better talent. The problem is he has so much other things going against him, and that is the coaching tendencies. They've made it clear they like Najee more. They've made it clear that Najee is their guy. Draft capital, Jalen Warren. I don't even remember. Was he at the end of the draft? Was he a sixth, seventh? Was an undrafted free agent, but it was not great. While Najee, pretty much the exact opposite. Um, and, I mean, from a just overall commitment standpoint, like, I agree. I don't think there was a world that Jalen Warren – actually wins that job against Najee, even though, again, I believe he's the better talent and he should. So when you think through that, it is a challenging pick because unless like you get that Najee injury, um, it's hard to see him really winning out. But I still like him. I like where he's going in the draft. I'm probably a little overweight on him. As you can tell, I'm still bullish on his talents and everything. Um, But yeah, for him to really kind of break out, I think we will need a Najee injury. That said, if you do get an Najee injury and Jalen actually gets this backfield to himself, he may not give it up. I uh, famously had a dream that Jalen Warren scored three touchdowns opening week of this upcoming season. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true stuff. It'll, also, it'll be that- far more famous if it actually happens. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better bet that because if you don't and you had that dream, you were going to kick yourself in the ass. Well, I'll tell you what I won't be betting on opening week, and that was the Matt Stafford eight passing touchdowns. Same dream. I don't know what I was doing on my phone in that dream, but the numbers were off the charts. I don't, I don't know what was going on. Uh, if you can't tell, I've been drafting a lot of teams. I've uh, been, been in the streets a little too often. Uh, I have 23 teams left to go to, to make it to 150 here, so coming down the stretch. Jalen Warren, not someone that I'm overweight on. I am like completely the opposite here, so I'm a, a big Najee guy, and that's because I think a lot of folks believe that Jalen Warren's path to production is being that pass-catching running back. Najee also gets a lot of targets. He gets like five or six targets a game. And I feel like that is the easiest way to bring Kenny Pickett along, like really move the needle from him or for him is to keep the passing uh, uh, air yards down, not have him threaten the deep field too often. And that's why we still see a ton of target opportunities for Deontay Johnson and a lot of opportunities for Najee. Because, I mean, when we saw Najee really get the bulk of the workload down the stretch, the team also just played better. Like for their team as a whole, it was better when they were giving Najee the nod. When they were talking about giving, you know, Jalen Moore and Jalen Warren more of a role, that Najee just started to turn up. Like when everybody, you know, like went, you know, full villain on Najee, he flipped the 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 page and said, "Hey, I'm a hero, by the way." And he just crushed it down the stretch of the of last year. So I have about. Jalen Warren and about 18% Najee Harris. So I'm completely opposite there, despite having literally like dreams that Jalen Warren's going to score three touchdowns in a game. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, That, Andrew, I can get in on. I'll I'll, uh, I'll give a bump to whatever sports book will give me the opportunity to get three touchdowns for (laughs) Jalen Warren in week one. We'll see what happens there. Um, Any other running back news that you wanted to ask uh, Justin before heading out? Uh, Justin, do you have maybe a a lock destination or some perception on where Jonathan Taylor might go. I know you said Ixnay on the bears as a bears fan. I agree. I'm also not in like the dolphins, you know, category here. I don't think that he's going to land with them. If they weren't paying up for Dalvin cook, I can't imagine they're going to pay some luxury to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I think the most likely scenario is going to be, he plays for the Colts. And uh, I think they're, you know, the Colts are kind of doing what the Ravens did with Lamar, where it was like, Oh yeah, go see what the market is. To go, uh, go, go see how that works. They, they didn't give you a guaranteed contract. No, okay. And, uh, yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get a little of that when you look at the larger macro environment that we've seen with the running backs this year. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to be tough because then Jonathan Taylor is going to come back to the Colts with his tail between his legs. And uh, sure, he'll play for them. But this is a team that it's a bad situation. He's not going to get high value touches from a goal line work from a uh receptions like anthony richardson takes away both of those things from him so and then say he gets a mid-season injury oh my calf oh my ankle like he's not fighting back for them so uh it's a scary situation for me i will add though if he gets traded i believe that any destination that trades for him will be a substantial increase in his adp value in his draft value than where he is right now 
even if he gets less usage, which would probably be the case for most of those places because they're probably going to teams that are in contention. There's already some form of a running back situation. Uh, I believe he gets the high value touches. He increases his receptions. He gets more goal line work because the team is a contender and they're actually scoring touchdowns. Uh, so right. if you have Jonathan Taylor, if you're drafting him, you are hoping that a trade happens. However, I am cautiously, uh, just cautious. I don't think it's going to happen. I agree with you. If I, if I had to pick a spot that made sense, at least to me, you know, team that's in contention has opportunity, it'd be the Minnesota Vikings. But I don't see them paying up for what it's going to cost to get them. Yeah, I mean, unless like you really think they just knew that Dalvin was cooked and done, like mm -hmm. it seems like that Minnesota team, they realize their team's actually not that good. And uh, despite what they did last year, despite them kind of going on that crazy run of wins, I think mm -hmm. there's a little more kind of level-headedness in, you know, in the building saying like, this may actually be a bit more of a rebuilding year than we expect. And uh, we need to get out of some of these expensive contracts that's what they did with Dalvin. Uh, Madison, they seem to be pretty content with. Maybe if they're going to bring someone in, I think they're bringing in like a Leonard Fournette or a Kareem Hunt or something that's like a little offsetting. I can't see them uh, after all this work to, um, on, to offload contracts and bring on a Jonathan Taylor size one. Do you, do you like Ty Chandler there? Yeah, I mean, all, the entire ETR team is. Silva was on him probably two, three months ago, and I was like, we, we yep. didn't even know much about him and such. Then from there, uh, the reports from their coaching staff, they liked Ty Chandler last year. Then he had the ankle injury, so like it was pretty dumb. You know, um, it was just kind of sad that he was never able to earn that role. Then all the reports are that like, hey, he needs to step up. This is the year for him to step up. So that gave me confidence. They actually wanted him in that number two role rather than. Uh, bringing in another back. And then in the most recent preseason game, um, yes, the other running back that he's in contention with was hurt, but we saw Ty Chandler actually look really good when he when it was a play that should have got three yards. He got seven yards. When he should have got negative two, he actually got positive yardage. He picked up some great blocks. He was using the passing game. Uh, that was what you really want to see out of a uh, potential number two back. Do you think Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt don't play this season? I mean, we're 16 days away from kickoff. 16 yeah. days. The Kareem Hunt one's interesting because we saw him go to the Saints, and then we heard that hey, before going to the Saints that the Colts called, so then he was going to go to the Colts, but then the Colts situation is Jonathan Taylor, so at least we know that like he's interested. With Leonard Fournette, all we heard is that he visited <laughs> the Patriots, and this was a mm -hmm. few weeks back. Um, right. So like, I don't think this is a Will Fuller situation where they don't want to play anymore. I do think they do want to play, um, but I'm not sure where that landing spot is. Most likely scenario in my mind is that after week one, when teams no longer have to give guaranteed contracts, that's when maybe they get signed. So now they get a little mm -hmm. flexibility with the contract aspect. Maybe we continue to see are there any late injuries. Um, I've definitely slowed down on my Leonard Fournette drafting just because decreased spots, decreased time. It's a little more risky. Um, but my bet is Leonard Fournette will start. Um, he'll be on a team starting some games this year. I don't know if it's week one. I hope so. I've got 12%. I've got a lot to. I got a lot to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not ideal. All right, Andrew, anything else before we head out? My God, I could ask Justin like a billion questions. Last You've got one. one. For, You've got one. Yeah, yeah. Last one for you. Uh, goodbye or great buy, goodbye or no buy on Jerome Ford and Chuba Hubbard. Okay. Um, both of those have fallen about 20 to 25 picks because of these injuries. Um, but – all signs point to, I believe they're still the number two on each of those teams. I think these are currently good buys, specifically for best ball, because you're buying in the 190s. Uh, for Jerome Ford, from what I understand, like, yes, it's a week-to-week -week injury, but he should be back right at about the beginning of the season. And the fact that they haven't been any news about trying to get another back in, um, I'm not scared of kind of Demetric Felton or someone like taking Jerome Ford's role. Uh, I think that like, hey, he's still going to move into that Kareem Hunt role. Now, if Chubb goes down, can he increase that role? I doubt it. But you know what? As an 18th rounder, that's still okay. I think he has like an every week role. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I like him because I think there's still a level of ambiguity in what's going on with that offense. Like Miles Sanders, I think the gap between him and Chuba was too large. Now, the concern with Chuba, not only the, I think it's an ankle, but definitely an injury, is also as Raheem Blackshear all going to kind mm -hmm. of cut into that as well. So that concerns me a little more than the Jerome Ford.
But then I'll also say I think Chuba maybe actually has more upside and actually a more maybe path to earning more of that kind of Miles Sanders type role. Uh, we've seen in the path past with Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, both of them kind of having either game by game or in same game roles. So um, I like it. I will say the last week they have looked so bad. Their offensive line has gotten destroyed and I don't really pay that much attention to performance in a preseason standpoint, but when the offensive line was as bad as it looked, um, that gives me a lot more macro concern for the entire Carolina offense worth at least noting that. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Appreciate the insight, sir. Appreciate you coming on. We're going to head on out. Everybody take care. Be well, be good. If you can't be good, be good at it. We'll see you next week.